0: Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us on the OIS Podcast. You might be in uh, our four or five of a trip to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving dinner, or perhaps you're on the way back from a uh, warm holiday getaway. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, however you're listening to this device, I hope you have or will have or had a great holiday break. We're going to delve a bit today into dry eye. And uh, this, these are, this conversation is actually based upon some of the great interviews I did at OISDAO in New Orleans. And uh, these are three of the interviews I did outside the ballroom at the Hyatt Regency. And they're all, they all pertain to, to dry eye. In our first conversation, I talked with Robert Dempsey about uh, the global rollout of Zydra, Uh, Robert Dempsey is now Group Vice President and Head of Global Ophthalmics Franchise for Shire. And uh, in this talk, we talked a bit about the challenges that uh, Shire faces rolling Zydra out uh, on a global global perspective. It's got um, 25 uh, applications out there for approvals in various countries. And uh, Robert Dempsey is helping to quarterback or quarterbacking the, uh, the rollout of Zydra, which of course has been enormously successful in the U.S. So we had a, a, that great conversation with Robert Dempsey. I also had the chance to speak with uh, Joe Burati, who is the CEO of Tear Science and uh, part of Johnson & Johnson Vision. Tear Science, of course, has uh, Lipiscan and Lipiflow, which are two other treatments or, or device-based treatments for uh, dry eye symptoms, and we talked to Joe about the, uh, the efforts to roll those out, uh, they're, they're rolling out heavily in the optometry sector. And uh, we talked a bit about the, uh, the, the different challenges of, of selling devices to optometrists. So that was a great conversation as well. Finally, we'll, uh, we'll finish up with uh, Tom Gadek, who is the CEO of Tear Solutions. Tom, of course, was the uh, founder and first CEO of Sarcode which uh, developed Laphitagrass, which was sold to Shire and that became Zydra. So Tom is working on a, uh, a different dry eye solution and uh, his company Tear Solutions is very much in the early stages. So we talked a bit about where Tear Solutions is with its development. So three very different stories, uh, all pursuing or selling treatments for dry eye. So it made sense to me to, to connect them all together in one podcast. So I hope you enjoy these conversations with Robert Dempsey of Shire, Joseph Buratti of Johnson & Johnson Vision, and Tom Gadek of Tear Solutions. I'm here with Robert Dempsey of Shire, who has uh, a, a new role that we'd yes. like to talk about. Yes, you are now... Please, tell, our, tell our fans. I am the
1: global head of the ophthalmics franchise. And uh, do you want me to tell you what that means? I do. Fantastic. So, um, obviously, over the last three and a half years, I was primarily responsible for the launch of Zyger in the U.S. Um, based on the success of the launch in the U.S., now they've told me to take that secret sauce and go global. So, obviously, very excited about this opportunity. And uh, so, in the, in the process of building out our team, and uh, really, from a global perspective, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, continuing to expand in North America with Canada, into Europe, into the Gulf countries, in addition to Asia-Pacific, as well as Latin America. So, I mean, from a standpoint of the global expansion of the franchise, it's very exciting. I mean, to kind of take the quote-unquote secret sauce of what we did in the U.S. and apply it now on a global, global basis is, is very exciting. And to give you a few numbers, Tom, I mean numbers we're are looking great. at approximately 25 NDA filings and or approvals over the next 18 months. Wow!
0: So I'm asking for numbers. What is it? What, is dry eye as, uh, is it as large a problem in all these other markets as it is in the U.S.? Or do we have it worse than others? Well, you know,
1: it's, it's actually, it's compared to other disease states, probably the reverse. So as we know in the U.S., about 30 million patients um, with symptomatic dry eye. And on a global global basis, we're looking at about 350 million. Wow. But the market in the US is almost a mature market. When you look at, at Europe, when you look at Asia Pacific, when you look at Latin America, the market is in, in very much in its infancy stages. Mm-hmm. So we will have to um, invest a lot in, in physician education, on patient education, to really increase the awareness of dry eye and the reason is for most of these countries that we're targeting Zydra will be the first product approved for the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease.
0: So is that helpful? I mean obviously it's great to be the first but are they more likely to go with eye drops and lubricants kind of the first tier thing or if they're using Zydra they're way beyond that already and they're in need of
1: something more. I think that's a great question and that's going to be our challenge is to you know, look at the treatment algorithms for dry eye. Oftentimes, they're, the physicians um, in, uh, across the globe are using artificial tears, then maybe a steroid. And, that, and now, obviously, we want them to introduce a therapeutic option. And the reason for that is cyclosporin is primarily the sales are generated in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The sales outside the U.S. are very limited. So we will have a lot of work to do. Uh, from a market development standpoint, and something we're very excited about.
0: So when do you, when would you hope to get commercial approval in some of these countries? When does this roll up again? Yeah,
1: so um, from a big picture perspective, I mean, we should um, have approval, um, depending on regulatory uh, authorities in, in Health Canada, by um, the first quarter of 2018. And then with all the filings we have um, in Europe and in the Gulf countries, we should have numerous countries coming online in the, um, at some point in 2018.
0: So they know Jennifer Aniston in Canada, so that should be pretty seamless, right?
1: Well, I mean, some of the, the collateral of the U.S. can be used in, in certain markets. Canada happens to be one of them. Um, but unfortunately, as we look at some of the other countries in Europe in particular, our you know direct-to-consumer campaign with Jen, unfortunately... We will not be able to utilize
0: so different strategies that you have to then the good old-fashioned way work through the physicians and yes sell to the them
1: good old-fashioned way and and probably the other biggest difference we see in europe in particular is in the u.s a lot of our success has been driven by the optometric market i mean close to 60 percent of our prescriptions come from ods in europe it'll be much different it'll be really a ophthalmology focused um, campaign that the team and I will be implementing.
0: So the ODs in other countries don't have the same ability to prescribe? and
1: Yeah, with the exception of Canada and Australia. Now, keep in mind, we are targeting those countries. Optometrists are, are able to prescribe. But when you enter mainly in Europe, very limited um, contribution by optometry. Very interesting.
0: Okay. So and how about, are you getting into... Um... Patient influencers and such—are you working with those popular, you know, patients who have a following on social media? Is that a useful strategy?
1: It has been in the U.S. Um, we have to learn more about the, the "quote unquote" patient journey in Europe. Um, as of right now, probably won't be utilized. But you know, obviously, we're looking at all any and all opportunities.
0: That's, that's exciting. So you do more than dry eye. You're in yes. charge of the entire Optoma yes, 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 yes. franchise.
1: What else do you have going on? So in our pipeline, um, probably another very exciting dry eye program is through the um, a deal that we have with Parion Sciences. So this was for a sodium channel blocker. By blocking the sodium channel junction on the ocular surface, you maintain ocular surface hydration. So obviously with cyclosporin and lifitegrast, um, they're working as anti-inflammatories but we all know dry eye is a, is a multifactorial disease. So with this program that we have from Parion Sciences, we feel that this could be another opportunity to treat dry eye with another mode of action and potentially, potentially, um, almost a synergistic effect will occur with another mode of action, similar to what we see in glaucoma and, and other uh, common conditions that ophthalmologists treat. Interesting.
0: And outside of dry eye?
1: Yeah, so outside of dry eye, we have a phase three program um, for infectious conjunctivitis, which if approved would be the first product with an indication for both adenoviral and bacterial conjunctivitis. That is in phase three. That is a global program. So as my responsibilities now are on the globe, we're very excited to partner with um, ophthalmologists, whether it's again in, in Europe and Latin America and Asia Pacific with this very exciting program, we have for infectious conjunctivitis.
0: And you're also doing, you're in charge of business development. Are you seeing some uh, interesting opportunities in any space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, this meeting in particular, Tom, really was very exciting and especially this morning um, when really was focused on the posterior segment and in particular something that's very near and dear to Shire is the rare diseases. So some of the progress that we've seen with these inherited retinal diseases uh, are just phenomenal and and um, you know, we're very excited to potentially partner with some of those companies. It's core to Shire's um, uh, a business philosophy to be in rare diseases, and to take that approach and apply it to the ophthalmic space, I think is something the team and I are very excited about.
0: That's terrific. Well, glad we could, uh, could bring you all together. Yes, 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 yes. Well, we're, we're looking, we're coming upon, next year will be our 10th OIS at AO, so wow, it's causing me to a- ask questions about where were we 10 years ago, where are we going 10 years from now? How would you assess the last 10 years in terms of uh, global uh, ophthalmology innovation?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's been truly uh, an amazing time. And I think um, the OIS really is the opportunity for, um, it, it's it's the thinking area of ophthalmology. It's the early stage companies, it's the strategics, it's the KOLs, it's the investment community all coming in. And you look at over the past 10 years to what I actually saw today, clearly, in my opinion, the best OIS uh, the room was packed. We had well over a thousand people, people standing in the back. And uh, to see that we're, you know, I was probably at one of the first meetings to where you are now, it really is a, it's a tribute to the team that you have, the commitment by the ophthalmic community. On innovation, focus on innovation, I think is really a testament to the great job OIS is doing.
0: I appreciate that. Well, looking forward, what, what are we going to be talking about in 2027 when you're wow, I I the king of Shire or oh, whatever title yeah. you have?
1: Uh, well, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but um, I think we'll see some of these early stage companies, whether it's gene therapy. Um, uh, I think we'll see advances in drug delivery. Um, I think we'll see new surgical interventions for various conditions. I think we're really on the cusp of of some significant advances that all of these companies have invested in and the physicians and and, um, academia coming together and and really addressing the significant unmet needs that we see in the ophthalmic space.
0: What will dry eye look like specifically? I mean, you've got a lot of companies here that are targeting this market. You're the leader right now. What, uh, or among the leaders right now, what, what do you think it'll look like 10 years from now?
1: I think the market will be. Um, there'll be other modalities on the market. First of all, I think the U.S. will continue to lead in the area of dry eye. But I think with, with Shire's plans to go global, I think other companies will follow um, follow us. And um, I think that you know, when you look at it from a global perspective, well over 350 million patients with dry eye, I think you'll see multiple therapeutics in Asia Pacific, in Latin America, and in Europe. And, uh, you know, a lot of companies that continue to invest in this uh, very chronic condition that um, the ophthalmologists see on a regular basis.
0: Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Safe travels on your new gig. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Thank you. And we'll see you at a future OIS. Sounds good, Tom. Thanks again. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks, Robert Dempsey, for joining us at OIS at AAO. Next up, we talked with uh, Joseph Urati. Who was the CEO or remains the CEO of Tear Science, but now he is uh, part of Johnson & Johnson Vision after the uh, company acquired Tear Science. So he and I talked a bit about uh, Tear Science's uh, rollout of uh, LipView and Lipaflow, its diagnostic and treatment tool for and gland disorder, and uh, where exactly he's looking to find new business and create a new market for. The, uh, the devices. So let's get into this conversation with Joseph Barati. Joe Barati of Johnson Johnson Vision, thanks for joining us. One of the trends that we're seeing is the, the work that optometrists and ophthalmologists are doing together. I think we're seeing more and more of that, although admittedly it's been happening for quite a long time. I know you've been tracking it for a decade or two. Uh, what do you, how do you see this shaping up? Well, first, give us a state of the cooperation between optometrists and ophthalmologists, and where is tier science fitting into that?
2: Yeah, so thanks for having me back on, Tom. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, tear science, the technology, the LipaFlow technology, has been used by both optometrists and ophthalmologists. And in the last two or three years, particularly since we've uh, you know, adjusted price points about three years ago, it brought a lot more optometrists into, in, into that technology. And what it allowed us to do is really appreciate uh, the, uh, the, the power of the optometrist treating dry eye Uh, particularly prior to cataract surgery or refractive surgery, educating the patients on the importance of a healthy ocular surface to being successful and having a successful refractive or cataract surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, dry eye is something that optometrists have been dealing with uh, for a very long time as primary care providers, particularly in the contact lens uh, business as well. And Johnson & Johnson has a lot of experience there with the Acuvue contact lens uh, brand. And, and uh, so for over 30 years, Johnson Johnson's been aware of you know, dry eye and contact lenses, one of the number one reasons for dropout of contact lenses today. And so what's great about our technology with tier science uh, integrated into the Johnson & Johnson portfolio, it perfectly positions uh, itself between both optometry and ophthalmology where Johnson & Johnson vision surgical division focuses uh, more on cataract surgery and refractive, which sure. is a little bit more in the MD space. And the contact lens division uh, has always focused more in the optometry space and in the contact lens. And so our technology is perfectly positioned uh, right, right in the middle of those two. And it helps to bridge the O's. It brings the two and more the together. Like that. That's right.
0: Joe, why don't you give us an update of the uh, commercial rollout?
2: Yeah, sure. Happy to. So um, we've been uh, selling the technology now for five years as tier science. And now as part of Johnson & Johnson Vision, uh, we have the power of the Johnson & Johnson uh, field sales force as well. So we're going to be able to leverage uh, the entire network of Johnson & Johnson sales uh, individuals uh, throughout the world, really, not just in the U.S., but really globally. And so we're really excited about uh, taking the technology. It's already been approved in about 23 countries. We've successfully sold it in about 12 countries. And so we're uh, very excited about leveraging uh, the power of the surgical sales team throughout the world Mm -hmm. that has great relationships with MDs globally. And then uh, with the optometry uh, uh, sales reps as well, the, the contact lens sales reps, with the uh, contact lens division, also, so we're really focused on making sure that the entire J and J network of salespeople um, have the opportunity to to be part of this
0: technology. And you've got to have eight hundred practices so far using uh, yeah. The so devices? so far in the history
2: of tier science, uh we've we've uh, been able to acquire over eight hundred practices as part of our network that have uh, purchased the technology. What what's great is there most of those practices. Uh, Uh, We have solo practices, but we also have large group practices, even large medical centers. So we we have thousands of doctors, optometrists, and ophthalmologists using the technology on a daily basis.
0: So what is the state of OD-MD cooperation? And uh, is it... Where is it going in the future? What is the state of it today?
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, integrated eye care is so critical for delivering care. The number of uh, ophthalmologists over time is decreasing. The number of optometrists continues to increase. There have been at least five new schools since I've graduated from optometry school. So the number of ODs continues to increase. The um, aging population also continues to increase, so more surgeries are being needed with fewer physicians, and a lot more primary care uh, needs to be delivered. So the beautiful thing is technology is advancing as well. So our ability to do more accurate faster refractions, to do more automated diagnostics on met for medical conditions continues to advance. And so it's allowing, uh, the technology is also an enabler, and it's allowing the optometrist to do more, and it's allowing the uh, ophthalmologist uh, to focus more on, on surgical intervention as well. And these integrated eye care models are just going to become more and more prevalent, particularly with the influence of private equity today. Uh, they are seeing the integrated model as the key to being successful in, in, in delivering efficient, high-quality healthcare delivery in the future, and so those models will continue to grow. And, and, and I, you know, just continue to see that as uh, an emphasis over the next several years.
0: Is the profile of an optometrist changing in terms of their willingness or, or interest in new technologies? Uh, Absolutely, yeah.
2: No, great question. If you look at um, OCT sales, if you look at you know um, treatments being performed, whether it's you know prescribing medications and so forth, uh, the largest growth segment seems to be optometry almost consistently across uh, disease segments. So certainly, we see that very prevalent in dry eye. Half of all of our sales at Tier science have been to optometrists, half to ophthalmologists, and if you look at treatments being performed. In, even in the ophthalmologist's office, a lot of the optometrists uh, in those practices are doing the treatment so we uh, estimate about 70% or more of our treatments being performed by an optometrist, whether it's in an MD or OD office. And so, uh, yeah, I, I continue to see that uh, as well, that optometrists are t- playing a more uh, front and center role in the, in the early diagnosis and early treatment of many of these conditions and then managing them to a point where they need surgical or more advanced intervention and then handing that off to the subspecialist ophthalmologist or, in some cases, a general ophthalmologist.
0: Well, we were talking off-camera, and you mentioned 25 years ago you saw this, this uh, cooperation forming between the two 25 years later. It's not quite where you thought it would be. Well, I ask you to look forward anyway, even though we just just uh, revealed how maybe sometimes precise those forecasts are. Yeah. But look ahead 10 years from now. Do you see – how, how will the role of the optometrists change 10 years from now? How will their practices be different? What sort of procedures do you, do you think might they be doing?
2: yeah great question i mean i you know I, I absolutely continue to uh, see this advance, but at a much more rapid pace and I think with influence of um, you know like I said before private equity and and other uh, corporate entities kind of forcing this model to be much more prevalent you know i I, I see more and more procedures absolutely being put you know, more into the uh, optometrist's hands earlier, so really up to their level of of competency so A lot of what they're able to do is really dictated by uh, the training, education, comfort level of, of the optometrist. So they have to practice clearly within their scope. Uh, but I see them maximizing that and really performing at the highest level of their their practice. And more and more of the routine procedures like a refraction that were typically performed by the optometrist, I see more and more technicians performing those, particularly uh, now with more automated instrumentation. So we just continue to move up that chain. And I do think that allows this dynamic to happen a little bit more faster than we've seen over the last 25 years And. So it's technology-enabled. I think it's marketplace-enabled. And I think it's just a function of, uh, of, of the economics of it. As I said, the, the fewer ophthalmologists are not going to be able to perform the amount of, of procedures that need to be performed. So they are going to have to delegate more to,
0: to optometrists. Well, thanks for joining us. We look forward to tracking this trend going forward. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate being here. Thanks, Joseph Barati, for joining us at LYS at AAO. Next, I had a chance to speak with Tom Gaddick, the CEO of Tear Solutions. Uh, Tom, of course, was the co-founder of Sarcode, one of the uh, earlier develop- developers of a dry eye success, which, of course, went to be acquired by Shire, and as Shire now sells Zydra, which was uh, initially developed by Sarcode. So in this conversation, Tom and I talk about his new venture in dry eye. Let's have a listen. Tom Gaddick of Tear Solutions, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for the invitation. We're trying to take a look at uh, the, the trends of ophthalmology looking forward and looking back. And I think SARCODE and your new effort, Tier Solution, kind of represents a great example of that. Because SARCODE, was, I think, would have to be counted as one of the greatest successes of the past decade. Tier I'd solutions, like no so. doubt, will be one of the greatest successes of the next decade. Give us a, first, give us an update about Tier Solutions. Tell the folks who haven't heard the story yet what you're up to.
3: Um, so Tier Solutions is uh, a company that has spun out of the University of Virginia, licensing technology from there, and it's the fruits of basically a 25-year career of Gordon Laurie, a professor at the university. Um, we have a 19-amino acid fragment of a naturally occurring protein, and we're developing it as an eyedrop for dry eye. Um, and it has restorative properties, and so we're trying to place it as a as a replacement therapy, more like a growth hormone.
0: How would you compare what you went through to start Sarco to what you're going through with Tier Solutions?
3: (laughs) Um, So the the sleepless nights were all Gordon (laughs) Laurie. Um, I've been an advisor to the company since about uh, 2013 when it was founded and uh, was asked this past December to step in as uh, CEO, step up as CEO. And that's been a good transition. So much of the groundwork was already laid. With with Sarcode, I had the sleepless nights uh, and raising money and trying to put the story together and stuff like that. Here, it's been a, a lot easier. And, and the public has, or and in the investment community, has accepted dry eye as a very good target in the pharmaceutical industry.
0: So how have you been doing on the, on the fundraising front? Do you have some news to report?
3: So we, we uh, have brought forward uh, tier solutions. Uh, we've done all the preclinical work, filed an in IND just about a year ago. Uh, and we are in a phase two study that should read out probably at the end of February. Uh, fingers crossed, and we'll see what happens. And on the fundraising front, are you, so how fundraising, is the capital uh, yeah, raising? So actually, one of my responsibilities when I agreed to be CEO uh, was the, the uh, raising of a Series B fund, which I believe is closing today. So that's, that's a very current question.
0: So what are you doing differently with Tier Solutions than you did with SARCODE? Did you learn some lessons? Were there lessons to be learned?
3: Yeah, so, so SARCODE was sort of a religious vision quest <laughs> <laughs> to get through things, and, and we were making decisions in real time uh, based on data and, and scientific facts and views um, but we did learn a tremendous amount. And I think, uh, particularly relative to the regulatory uh, landscape, which is now well accepted, we were a, a little unsure at times within the SARCODE experience of, of what, in fact, uh, was expected for a dry eye therapy. You know, both sign and symptom, does it have to come from? Uh, two trials where each of them hits sign and symptom, or can you do four, two for sign, two for symptom? It turns out that the FDA is very receptive to the latter. Um, it's, that, that is a little more expensive, so we'd like to get sign and symptom in a single study. But um, it, it's been a, a good experience. You know, the nice thing about uh, Zydra and Laphitagrass from sarco is the speed at which the drug worked in the clinic. You know, you could measure differences within two weeks so that was good um, there was a lot, I, I sat in the SAR code days, sat and read the SBA summary basis of approval for Restasis probably 50 times um, and gleaned a little nugget from each reading uh, so I suspect there are people out there doing the same thing now with the uh, SAR code summary basis of approval the Shire summary basis of approval for, for Zydra and it's, it's nice to think about, you know, the scientific side of the equation progressing over time. So we've handed off the baton to somebody else, um, and it might be tier solutions. But uh, we learned a lot along the way. Um, we don't have the complete answer
0: yet. And you, I love the reference of the, the religious vision quest. Is it... Uh... It certainly seems to be a tight group from Sarco. I think you yeah, we have a secret into... handshake like, like the Jeep owners, or do you have a little, a little high just, sign?
3: Just a look, you know, a <laughs> look of recognition. It's like the thing that I could equate it to is you see little kids in the grocery store, and they, they just lock in eye to eye from a distance down an aisle. So all I have to do is see one of the former Sarcodians um, in a room, and, and you saw a bump into uh, Valerie Smith a little bit ago and she was the regulatory person or the, the
0: clinical operations person um, and we all have stories. All right. I think I've seen one of your, your former coworkers taking pictures of you right now <laughs> on camera so you may have some blackmail coming up. Final question, uh, how do you see the dry eye market developing over the next 10 years? There's so much work being done how do you differentiate yourself? Do you see it, the yeah. solution actually coming in the near future?
3: Um, you know, it's not it's not a single disease. There's you know dry eye with my bulbomian gland and various you know evaporative versus other forms of dry eye. So it's a common descriptor of a lot of subcategories of, of things. And do we have to develop a therapeutic for each and every one of them? I honestly don't know yet. Uh, I hope not. But what you're seeing is that. Dry eye, you know, and a lot of the commercials on TV from Shire and from Allergan are making patients aware. So as that happens, the market seems to be doubling every two years or so. Estimates of the market, I think, it's got to slow down because it's up to about 30 million. It'll be more than the U.S. population pretty soon. Um, and I think I think there's a lot of innovative approaches. And the nice thing that you're seeing is people are bringing forward compounds. Specifically for an aspect of the disease, rather than in the past, you know, people were bringing forward compounds that were repurposed. You know, um, it was noted early on before Restasis was being developed that that cyclosporin in patients who had undergone transplants had increased tear production, and that's what brought it forward. At some level, that was some of the inspiration to bring it forward. But what you're seeing is now things that are targeting a specific component of the uh, dry eye disease pathophysiology, and that's a better way to go.
0: Excellent. i well, glad to have you here, and we look yeah, forward really to talking nice. about your next uh, your next success. Thanks for the invite. All right, everyone, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for our guests, Robert Dempsey, Joseph Barati, and Tom Gaddick of Shire Tear Science and Tear Solutions, respectively. It's great to sit down with all three of you at OIS at AAO, and uh, I really do appreciate your sharing your experiences in the dry eye market. I hope you enjoyed these conversations, OIS podcast listeners. If you did, please do us a few favors. Give us a ranking on iTunes. That would be great. That helps other people find the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, Just find the subscribe button and you will be able to have this podcast or future podcast sent directly to your listening devices. You could also tell your friends about the OIS podcast, let them know about this, uh, these great discussions about innovation in ophthalmology. Finally, feel free to shoot me an email, tom at healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by letters E-G-Y.com. Healthogy is the producer of the OIS podcast and the OIS events. So, great to have you here again i hope you enjoyed these conversations keep your eyes peeled we'll be sending out content from ois at aao uh, in the very near future we'll start with company presentations and send out uh, videos of these great interviews as well so thanks again for joining us folks tune in next week for another great tale of innovation and of course if you're catching us on the day before thanksgiving have a great thanksgiving day and a wonderful and healthy
1: holiday weekend